whenever I have an, an event and we have mapers that come there, they're like, this is going to keep me going throughout the next month. This is going to keep me happy in, in the industry a little bit longer. Created for the MAPE community by the MAPE community. Left Unsaid is a podcast where we speak our truth, celebrate our talents, tell our stories, and explore what matters most to us. It's time to leave everything on the table and make sure nothing is left unsaid. Welcome to another episode of Left Unsaid. I'm your host, Carl Desir, and I'm really excited to have our two guests on today. I've worked with both of them in different capacities very closely to help talk about MAPE and other issues in the industry. I hold them in high regard, and I have a feeling this is going to be a very good conversation. Very informative, very real. What I love about these two is they don't hold back. They say what's on their minds, they speak the truth, and they leave nothing left unsaid. There you go. Mm-hmm. Count it. First time we mentioned the podcast name in the podcast. So, Without further ado, let's welcome Rima Elgassane and Simon Fenwick to the podcast. Ladies first. Thank you. I'm Rima Elgassane, and I am the vice president of the Forays Foundation, which oversees MAPE, our high school initiatives, and our scholarships and awards. I like how you thought you were going to get away with just that very short, quick. I tried. tried. You did did try. You did. Um, yeah. And Rima, as we as we typically do on this podcast, and as, as you, if you've listened before, you know I got this from this boot camp I went to back in 2019, way back, way back then. Doing the check-in, red, yellow, green. How are you feeling right now, Rima, on that scale? Right now at this current moment? Right now. Because not, that's kind of now. how I determine right my now. life in COVID. No, right now. Right now. No, right now. Kind of low yellow. Low yellow. But it's it's coming up. It's moving up. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll hopefully get it to yellow by the end of the podcast. Yep. Working on it. Okay. All right. Simon, how you doing? Hi. Good. And you? Living the COVID dream. Great. Uh, so I'm Simon Fenwick. I'm the Executive Vice President of Talent, Equity and Inclusion for the 4As and the 4As Foundation. The lovely Rima does uh, the great work of running the foundation day to day. My other uh, role within the 4As is I manage the team that looks after our professional and organizational development. So learning and development across the 4As, thought leadership around what's happening in the industry from an HR talent diversity perspective. But I'm really fortunate because I have an incredible team that really does all the hard lifting. So, you know, I get to do fun things like this. <laughs> well, I hope this is going to be fun for you. I ask hard hitting questions, so you never know. Um, <laughs> how are you doing on the scale, red, yellow, oh, green? Wow. Yeah. So if you'd asked me that a couple of days ago, I probably would have said red. But today I'd probably say aubergine. So I think that's between red and, and yellow. I don't know. I was trying to think. I was going to say tangerine, but that would be completely inappropriate because I'm nothing like tangerine. So I'm getting towards yellow. And I know by the end of this podcast, I will definitely be in the yellow zone. Oh, no pressure on my end. Thanks for <laughs> that. I want to start with, I don't know. I picked this up as you two were introducing yourselves. Rima, VP at the Forest Foundation. Simon, EVP at 4As and 4As Foundation. You made a distinction there. Can you talk to me a little bit about what the difference is between the 4As and the 4As Foundation? Yeah, so um, it's a it's a really good question because I don't know that a lot of people really um, understand the difference. And um, the, fiber, the 4As Foundation is a 501c3, so it is um, listed as a nonprofit um, organization. Uh, it was founded 
you know, 23, 24 years ago, um, primarily uh, to be a scholarship and grant um, foundation. But it was only about three and a half, four years ago that MAPE was um, really rolled into the foundation. And the foundation, the reason that was done was um, obviously there are tax incentives for businesses to operate through a nonprofit. But also the idea was really the work that we were doing around MAPE and diversity and inclusion, really we weren't doing to to as a revenue generator. It was really about the good work for the industry that needed to be given back. The four A's is a 501c6. That is um, not a standard organization, but it is a not-for-profit. So it's different to a non-profit. It's a not-for-profit. Okay. Uh, so there are tax implications around that but the four a's is an association and most associations are those not-for-profits um, and so the idea behind that is that the four a's provides a number of services across our um, industry members from government advocacy out of washington dc to media and data advice from our media and data team research through our research team and a number of other services. So really is the the area where the industry comes to get guidance across all parts of their business, whereas the Forays Foundation is really focused around diversity and inclusion. Okay, okay, that really helps. Um, I'm gonna have to Google the difference between a not-for-profit and a non-profit, but I'll save that for another time. We won't get into those details. So like the distinction, it's like the, it's a trade association on the 4A side and then a separate entity in the foundation that is solely focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Correct. Yeah. And, okay. and, you know, the foundation, we have our own, we run our own profit and loss. We have okay. our own board. So it's separate to the so 4A's board. Okay. Uh, we have obviously all the, the staff that work for the 4A's foundation are focused on the foundation. So it is run as a completely separate entity to the 4A's. We just happen to sit at the association offices and, you know, be part of the association as well. All right. Um, so let's talk a little bit actually about what falls under the foundation and what's there. Rima, VP yeah. of the 4A's foundation. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, Simon mentioned a couple of things that fall under, but what really goes on day to day with the foundation? So much. We're a small team, but we are mighty. There are five of us really that are part of the 4A's foundation and a lot of our time heavily spent on our initiatives. As Simon mentioned, really focusing on diversity, equity, inclusion in the industry, but through the initiatives that we have. So MAPE, our multicultural advertising intern program. And we really look at that from two levels, our fellowship and then our alumni community. We have our high school initiatives. We work with two high schools right now in New York City. We have our scholarships and awards. A lot of it is based on that. And then the partnerships that we create, you know, we can't do what we do without the partnerships that we have in the industry, whether it's our agencies or outside. And so a lot of that relationship and co-creation of a lot of the, the work that we do really takes up a lot of the day-to-day. -day. Now that MAPE is under the foundation, along with high school programming, scholarships, as an agency, what does that mean for our partnership with MAPE? Because I think agencies are, are very much used to a specific partnership with MAPE through the four A's. But now that everything is under one bucket, what is that? how do those partnerships evolve in, in your eyes? And either one of you could take this, probably Rima. I mean, maybe, I, I, you know, I, Rima, I'm sure, can answer this question a lot better than me, but I'll take a stab. Um, so I think there's a couple of things that um, really sets it apart is with organizations working with the 4A's Foundation, there is tax incentives for those organizations. So what the work that they do is classed as a, um, can be classed from a tax perspective as an investment donation. So when they're accounting for the money that they're inv investing, 
all that money is going straight back into programming. And so they're not actually purchasing something like you normally would or paying for client services. They're actually paying for programming. So every dollar we take goes back into programming to help the community. Um, so that's either the alumni or the, the fellows or the high schoolers. And so there are tax implications. I think the second piece is that agencies like dealing with the foundation because they know that every dollar that they're giving is going back to that programming and they get a say in what that programming looks like. And I think that's really the key is we don't want to just um, design all the programming ourselves. It's really about partnering with agencies and partnering with the industry to say, what can you bring to the table and here's what the community is asking for. And so it's marrying those two things together. So Rima, I don't know whether you want to, to add anything to that, but that's how I see it um, versus working with the forays where you're actually buying a service, if you like. Okay, that's a very that's a very good distinction. I know that I perked up a little when I heard every dollar we give to the foundation goes back. So it just helps to feed all the great stuff that, you know, agencies had said or had have loved for Mapes, what, 47 years old this year? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And the foundation would be I'm trying to do math. 23, 24. 23, 24 years. In the high schools, of course, are about like 10, 10, 11 years. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. I remember all that. But yeah, I think it's great to know that it's every dollar that a that an agency, a company gives goes right back into just feeding those programs that, that we love and have done so much for the industry. Rima, I don't know if you wanted to, to add. Sure. The partnerships that we try to create are more relationships, right? We have relationships with our community, right? Whether they're high school students, whether they're MAPERS, alumni, and then we have our agencies and our industry partners, and we really like bridge those relationships together, right? So like Simon kind of mentioned, we we take a look at what our community wants and what we can do to support them. And then we build relationships around that. And then we we talk to our agencies and our partners about who they want to connect with and how they want to do it. And there's so much, so many opportunities and thoughts and creativity around it that we can we have a lot of freedom under the 4 Foundation to create any type of partnership we want, which gives us a lot more flexibility, and it allows us to serve the MAPERS and the high school students in a, in a different way, which I love. Yeah, I think that's a really good um, point, Reem, if I can jump in. You know, the advantage to the 4 Foundation being um, its own independent business is that we are not as tied to just service serving the 4As membership base. And so what that's allowed us to do, particularly in the last sort of 18 months, two years, is open up those opportunities to partner with the broader industry. Um, and so we are seeing a lot of partnership coming through from, you know, the Googles and the Facebooks um, and the Warner Medias because they are trying to help their agency partners. And so the way they see um, their relationship with us is them supporting the industry because obviously they they can only survive with the ad industry. Uh, so it's really important that they see are seen to be supporting that. And I think the second thing, you know, to, to Rima's point too, is we are the largest community of multicultural employees in the industry. And that is an untapped market that... Um, the industry really sees as as helping to define what diversity and inclusion is in the industry. And so a lot of that programming is around, you know, helping to define and helping the individual agencies with their missions around diversity and inclusion. It isn't just about what we want to do. A lot of great points. Rima, I love the whole listening to the community and giving the community, giving back to what they want. This is actually how the podcast got started, right? And so many things, uh, the summit, the MAPE Summit, 
Um, I'm sure there's going to be so much more. Um, Simon, the ability of the foundation to go out and reach the broader industry. We're not in this alone as agencies, right? And I think it's great that it gives the foundation uh, the flexibility to do that. I got to ask because sometimes you know, I can't I can't take off my agency hat just and also having you know worked at the four A's on me knowing you know how people feel about the quote-unquote war on talent and now that folks like the Warner Media's the Facebook's the Google's are partners in the real sense of the word partners and they always have been and you know we we're able to work with them through various things but now that they're in it with us together mm-hmm. just how do you how do you keep the lines separate and make sure yeah. that the talent of course you can't make the talent come to the agencies but keep it kind of at least a little projected for for at least two three minutes look it's a great question and it's one that i get all the time sure. um, and this is going to be one of those moments where i'm going to be unabashedly who i am and say what i feel versus what might be politically correct for the industry leave nothing left unsaid leave nothing left unsaid I, look i i get really frustrated with the industry when they sort of say you know well you know this is our talent and we need to protect our talent the, the fact of the matter is the industry hasn't done a great job in protecting its multicultural talent they don't do a great job in retaining that talent they don't do a good job in in providing equitable opportunities for that talent and so you know, if there is an industry that comes along and says, you know, I want to be involved with the right intentions of supporting their agency partners, we're not going to say no to that. You know, I think the industry needs to wake up and realize that it isn't mate that's causing them to lose their their talent. It isn't the partnerships of, you know, those people attending our events or speaking to our makers that's making them lose the talent. It's them. And so I think it's behooven on us to actually, as the foundation, work with our agency partners to say, how can we help you to improve the engagement you have with your existing employees? And how can we help you build the programs that's going to attract those new employees or those, you know, those students into the the program? And one of the things that I think is that has um, been the most successful is, you know, if I look at Facebook and Google, particularly, they're very transparent in what they do and how they attract those employees. They're not trying to hide that. Um, and they want the agencies to attract that talent. And so it, it, it frustrates me sometimes when I hear the industry say, oh, you know, how dare you? And then I'm like, well, why don't you just wake up and do the job you're supposed to do? And why don't you start treating everybody equally and fairly and stop putting quotas because, you know, quotas aren't going to solve your problem. What's going to solve your problem is hiring the best people. And that includes our multicultural populations. And so don't look to mate to just be your only source for that talent because there's amazing talent out there. And, and, and fight for that talent and prove that you're better and you have a better opportunity for that talent. I'm going to get myself into trouble for saying that, but I don't really care. <laughs> you, heard, you heard it here. When I am looking at partnerships and, and agencies, a lot of what we do actually does support agencies in different ways. So being able to, to partner outside of the advertising agency world, um, it does allow us to support agencies as well. So when I look at, you know, we can keep costs at a really affordable rate for agencies to be able to provide them with amazing talent, right? So we take a look at um, the fellowship right now is still for agencies. It's still all of our fellows go to advertising agencies and we are able to do that. And at a really affordable, amazing rate because 
of the partnerships that we create. And when I take a look at all of the partnerships, I look again at how do we support our fellows? How do we support our alumni? And knowing that our alumni are all over, you know, and they're not just at agencies, and a lot of them are, what are they looking for and what do they need? And so if they are looking for development, if they're looking for a community, if they're looking for some support in mental health and wellness, how do we create partnerships that support their needs? And I ultimately do feel that the more supported they are, especially through MAPE, it does help with retention, right? Because whenever I have an event and we have MAPERS that come there, they're like, this is going to keep me going throughout the next month. This is going to keep me happy in, in the industry a little bit longer. And so whatever type of relationship we create, we try to be very intentional with it and look to our partners as resources for our, our community. And so when we build those, whether it's like you said, this podcast or any of our alumni events or any of our fellowship events, we're trying to help develop the talent. We're trying to help give them skills, whether it's in their discipline or you know, like personal and professional development um, or whether it's just community so they can feel like they have a sense of community in the industry. I do think it keeps them in the industry longer and it does allow us to partner with agencies um, and do more with them at, a, at something that at a rate where that they can afford and they can be a part of it. And that's why she's in the role she's in and that's why she's so much smarter than me because <laughs> and I value her so much because she answers the question so much better than I can. But they were both great answers and you know it was, it was a setup question obviously <laughs> um, a good question have it you, having you knew how i'd answer it I, you, know, <laughs> you never it's on I mean, any given day you can answer it in so many ways but i mean I, you know having run mate before and, and heard the same questions and had the same challenges it's it's really great to see that you're able to now embrace the whole industry and create partnerships, community, programming that really does give MAPERS and by extension our industry, you know, what we all need. And it does, as they say, take a village. Can't all can't do it just with I mean, the industry has learned that as, you know, the Googles and Facebooks came on the rise that we have to partner with them in different ways. And I have, you know, we partner all the time. As clients, as DNI advocates and change agents. So it's it's really great to hear that things have moved forward in that. I want to talk about, let's just call it the elephant in the room, because we talk a lot about the community, the fellows, the alumni. And as we sit on the start of MAPE 2020, which looks very different than MAPE of years past, for reasons I think we all know and that are out of our control. And as we look at that, as a you know, as working at a participating agency, I want to hear just more about what went into that, the process of that, because that couldn't have been an easy, easy task to take a, at the time, 46-year-old program that hundreds of agencies know and love and has been participating in for years in one specific way and say, we got to change it all. I, it's brave. I give y'all credit. It takes a lot of bravery to, to make that switch and make that call because how many agencies are participating this year? About 90. 90? That's, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of agencies to answer to and to try to keep happy. But just, I, just tell, me, tell me a little bit about, like, what was that process like, even having to make that decision and figure out what you're going to do for, I think it was 385? Four? 86. 86. 86 fellows. Another historic, historic year. I mean, I think you touched on it first. 
you know, we are the custodians of the program. So we, Rima and I are both very aware of the fact that we just happen to be the custodians at this moment in time. So it's our duty to, and our responsibility to make sure that we don't break tradition and that we didn't, we weren't the ones to say, okay, it's not gonna happen this year. And, and that question, we had serious conversations about that, you know, five weeks ago, we didn't even know whether a virtual program would be possible. I don't think anybody in the world that we live in now knew what was going to happen from one day to the next, let alone from one month to the next. Um, and it was an incredibly tough decision for us to make. Um, I think, you know, we both almost shed a few tears while we were having those conversations. Um, you know, we very much spoke to the industry and got feedback from the industry on where their thoughts were. So it wasn't a decision that we made in silo. Um, but really, when we looked at what was happening in the world, and, you know, this was, what, five weeks ago, four and a half, five weeks ago, which time, looked a time lot. Time means to, nothing. We, we really looked at what was happening in the world. We, we really took guidance at that point from, you know, the majority of our MAPERS are in, New York. So we had to take a lot of our guidance from both uh, state and local government guidance. Um, and we thought we'd have until the end of April to make a decision, but it became very clear that the longer we waited, the longer we were going to run into trouble. And so we made a call pretty early um, based on all the information we were able to gather and the feedback that we got uh, to take it to a virtual program. And, you know, I think I, I have to say that, you know, the team has done an incredible job and the feedback we're getting from our competitors in the, in, in the internship space, from agencies, from the technology companies is we have really led the way. Um, and I think the team has really stepped up and created something that is a lot of, is going to provide a lot of value to the industry and to the individual fellows. I get a little choked yeah. up even talking about it now because, you know, I, I'm upset about the fact that these this great cohort of talent are going to experience the, the in-person experience that's so valuable. And I get upset when I know that they're, they're not going to be walking and throwing their caps in the air and, you know, they're missing out on so many experiences that are so important. I don't want to say all the words that are being overused, like pivot and virtual and uh, new reality and new normal and everything we could say. But at the end of the day, personally, I had to surrender to the fact that we had no idea what's going on and we're not in control of what's happening with the world. And that was hard for me for the first couple of weeks because I couldn't imagine telling our largest class that we weren't going to do MAPE. And I think that was the most important part. And as we started talking to our agency partners and hearing what was going on with them and the support that they needed, and then understanding that there aren't going to be really many internships this summer and that it is our duty. And I think part of our, our mission and, and the work that we do is to help create a pathway into the industry for young people of color and MAPE can do that. And we have a really unique opportunity because of the partners that we have and to be able to build something that is an industry wide program. And we are co-collaborating with agencies and industry partners and resources and, and platforms to be able to, like Simon mentioned, we can't replace in-person internships. There's nothing that can replace that. But what we can do is create a really amazing program, allow the fellows to be able to see and connect with every resource that they can have virtually in a way that we couldn't before. We are now able to do something virtually 
for 386 fellows where they can get the same experience where before it depended on where they were in the nation. Um, so trying to make lemonade out of COVID isn't easy, but at the same time, I think this is going to be a year that goes in history. And it's this cohort is going to really be probably one of the most resilient fellow group of fellows that we've ever had. And they're going to be probably more equipped than any other fellows we ever had, right? So we already do virtual spring training, but now they're going to get training from so many different agency leaders to be able to have a network of at least 90 agencies, plus industry partners, plus connections and networks and platforms right before they even finish the summer. And in a summer that's going to have little to no interns, um, they're going to be more prepared and ready for the industry than I think anyone else out of college. So that was what, that's really what we went um, into with it. It wasn't easy. It was hard at first to get some agencies on board because change is hard, I think, especially in this industry. And MAPE has been the same for so long. And it's like, wait, what happened? And we, we did it so early that I don't know if everybody was ready for it. But I feel like now people are really grateful that we're doing this because it allows them to be able to have some initiatives within their agency when they don't have as many as they could before. Yeah. Um, Rima, I would add that the great thing about the world we live in is it changes every day. And what this has actually taught us too is we, we are learning some things that we're going to take forward for future classes and future years. And so it's actually made us go, wow, we can do some things differently and actually we can do them better. We've made mistakes and, you know, we own up to those mistakes, but, you know, we're human and, the, and everything changes every day. So would we have got, could, if we could go back five weeks and change some of the decisions we made or the timing we, we, we made, would we? Absolutely. But I think where, we, where we've ended up is in a much better place than we probably imagined we would five weeks ago. You bring up a, a great point, Simon. COVID has forced us to do things we thought or believed we couldn't, or shouldn't do. Work from home went from, I guess maybe if, if everything works out right to, oh, everyone's working from home and look, we're actually, I mean, there's a lot more to it, but we're actually getting stuff done while everyone is working from home. Um, I know Rima's heard this, Simon, I don't know if you have, but my soapbox stance about MAPE was it does need to change because the rate at which the fellows were growing was unsustainable with the current model a few years ago. And big part of that was a virtual program. And everyone was like, no, we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't change. And now we're forced to change. And does that mean that the MAPE is always going to be virtual? No. But that might mean there's a bigger virtual component for a different group of people. Mm -hmm. there, there, there will be things that we take out of all of this, and especially for MAPE, that will continue on. And if we look at it as like the world was forced to change in so many ways, and some of them will need to continue on in some way. I think there's a huge opportunity here for me. I'm not downplaying how hard it was to tell not just fellows, but agencies that the program you know and love is going to be unrecognizable to you to a certain mm -hmm. extent. But even well, after this, it will be unrecognizable because it's not going to be the same program coming out of this. You know, Rima has told me some of the calls she's had with agencies where agencies have been in tears because they're not being able to have, the, you know, which breaks my heart. But at the same time, you know, we've looked at this and gone, you know, if we take our MAPE alumni, we've been, have much more engagement across our alumni since we've been doing virtual events. So then the question is, well, if people are more comfortable signing into a virtual event, then as we move forward, maybe a lot of our alumni engagement is virtual versus in-person. And maybe the need to actually try and coordinate in-person events is less important. 
Um, I, you know, as we look at the MATE program, we've talked about, well, you know, as it's grown so much to keep the quality, do we have a virtual program for juniors and then the in-person is left to seniors as we move forward? So we can, is that is that a way to look at the future of MATE? You know, one of the things that I think is really, really good is, as Rima mentioned, it being dispersed around the country, the person that's sitting in Minneapolis as the only maker in Minneapolis doesn't have the same experience as the 150 who are based in New York. This has made us realize that we can create the same experience virtually for all of the makers. And so those days of people feeling a little bit on the outskirts are gone because we now know that even if we have an, in, we go back to when, not if, when we go back to an in-person program, and we don't know whether that'll be next year or the year after, you know, who knows? But when we do go back to that, we can bring those people that are on the outskirts that are in the smaller markets into the program and have them experience the same opportunities that they didn't have before. Having worked with you, Carl, when you were at the 4As and in my role, I feel like COVID has made a lot of your make dreams come true. Um, I know you've been, you've been talking about this for a long time. You've talked about, you know, doing something different for juniors and virtual programs and how do we change things and how do we do more for alumni? And um, I'm glad to see that COVID is helping all those dreams come true and that we can be part of that and, and that you um, continuously support MAPE through it. But yeah, it's a lot of those thoughts and visions you had were are coming to life and this is just the right time for it. Maybe you were ahead of your time. Listen, now we are in this really great an oracle, But if you will, that's fine. That works. Um, always, I'll think about Carl, you were always ahead of your time. <laughs> you call me yeah. old, Simon? No. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> that would be the pot calling the kettle, right? So, like, <laughs> it is a very interesting time. For, for all, I mean, I think, you know, when you, Simon, you talk about those agencies and tiers that they won't be getting their neighbors, right? We tend to hold on to, you know, what was comfortable, what we knew, especially in times of uncertainty. And yeah, I'm, I'm sad that we're not in RGA's office with the neighbors running around, bringing that energy, bringing the, that perspective, bringing, you know, adding so much value to the work that we do on a day to day. And, you know, to add to Rima's point, like, I actually got excited about the fact that there are alum that are overseas that literally never get to engage with MAPE. Now can be hyper-engaged if they want. I mean, time zones can be a little tricky, but they can be more engaged with that. There are alum that are off doing big things elsewhere in different industries. Like I just told Reem about an alum who is a co-executive producer of Insecure out in LA. Get them into the fold, hopefully, fingers crossed. And so many more. Like that, you know, you, you've done so many different sorts of events that you would never have been able to do had it been focused on the in-person. Do we have a venue big enough? Can we find an agency or a company to donate space? I mean, I remember that. I'm having PTSD right now thinking about that <laughs> and all that all that takes. Uh, so I think there's, there's just so much, so much opportunity now to look forward to. I think if as agencies start to come around and realize that what's happening in their own companies, mm -hmm. they'll start to see that, wow, like, you know, MAPE was ahead, ahead of all of us in these decisions and what they were doing. And that's what MAPE should be doing. Well, we've been very intentional in the last couple of years and reconnecting with the alumni community and providing them like more resources and, and events. And that's been really great for our, especially for our agencies and our partners, because they want to be able to connect with the MAPE community. And so the virtual events allows it to happen. And being really honest, like we listened to our alumni community quickly, and they were not feeling like a lot of the virtual programs that were going on right now 
or inclusive for them. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. even virtually, I don't feel like this is for me. And I don't feel like I was thought about for this event. So we were like, all right, well, we have this really unique opportunity where we can bring you together and we can create that safe space, but we can also partner with agencies and industry partners and be able to put really great content together that does have people of color in mind and it does have our MAPE community in mind. Our partners are really excited about that and our alumni is really excited. And we also have seen so many senior alumni come back and want to give back to the community due to COVID. And so that's really awesome. And it's allowing the fellows, because we're inviting the fellows to all of our alumni events too, to start being part of the community as well. And our alumni has jumped in to support the fellows this year too. So it's it's like any time where we're all isolated, there's just really great maple love and our community's getting tighter and that's really cool. You know, a great example of that, Rima, is, um, you know, we've been trying for a year to, to secure Elaine Welteroth to speak to the alumni or to the fellows. Like anybody who has a has a presence and and is in high demand, it's been hard to sort of tie her down. But because it was virtual, you know, within the space of a week, ten days, we were able to tie her down, and we had you know two hundred and thirty mapers showing up for a, a virtual event that ran what thirty minutes over over its time frame with Elaine Welteroff, who is a maper herself, and so the ability to do that. And the ability for people who, you know, are the people that you look up to in the community to actually be involved is incredible and probably would never have happened if we kept going on the path of, oh, we need to have a space and we need to do drinks and much easier for everyone to have a drink because I know I do on most of these events and, you know, in the comfort of their own home, right? Is that vodka right now? It is a big bottle of vodka. I've actually my second bottle. Uh, Oh, nice. And it's, I mean, it's, I guess it's five o'clock somewhere. He'll, but, he'll be at green in no time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, yeah, keep drinking. You'll get, you'll get way beyond green. <laughs> no, and you, and you bring up, you bring up a, a great point. Having myself tried to bring Elaine to RGA at one point, just the, just the scheduling alone makes it difficult, let alone the space. And again, I'm getting PTSD trying to think about 230 people. Where are we going to fit them and what that takes? We'll be using. I mean, we're we're you know this podcast is, you know, brought by the Maple Alumni uh, Association, the Maple Alumni Council, and just the outpour of interest mm-hmm. from alumni. Like some alumni have reached out to me even and said like, "Whoa, this is great." I'm like, "I haven't heard from you in years, but cool. Like, let's get you on. Let's do this." Like that that just shows like the as Rima said the Maple love that's out there and how. Now in this time, it's much easier versus, oh, can I get a flight to New York? Or is there going to be an event in L.A.? And only when, like, a group of people get together out here for a different event, can we do something that big? It's just, I, mean, I think MAPE's going to really explode this year. Yeah. And, we, and I think um, the other thing that is that COVID-19 has created is, and I'd sort of shout out this to all of the CEOs and all of the, the um, allies of MAPE and the community, is this is a really important moment for them to be able to be engaged as well, because from a scheduling perspective, being able to organize for a CEO to speak on a webinar or to speak to a Zoom group is a lot easier than trying to coordinate for them to sit in front of a, a room full of people. Mm-hmm. And I really would, would implore leaders out there to get involved and for DNI experts and talent leaders in their organizations to say to their leaders, you have a really unique opportunity right now with the fellowship this year to speak to you know, 386 amazing cohort of diverse 
young talent and it's going to take you 30 minutes of your time to jump on a Zoom meeting, what leader wouldn't want to jump at that opportunity? What person wouldn't want to stand there and say, you know, I can, I can actually listen to what their needs and what their wants are. And we've never had that before. And so I hope, and I'm sort of saying to the industry, you know, step up. It's your chance. It doesn't cost you anything. It's, it's a short, a small amount of time. There isn't a lot that needs to go into the planning of it. And that's what COVID-19 has created. So it's some really, really positive things have come out of this really awkward and horrible situation. I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the hot seat, Simon give a big challenge to the, the leaders of the industry out there. Are there any you want to call out specifically? Just oh, I've already, just, yeah. I've already started to, but yeah, I mean, I'll call out your boss, you know, I, Barry, you know, step up, um, speak to the, the alumni, um, Daryl Lee at um, Media Brands, spec up, step up, Michael Roth at IPG, step up, you know, um, like these leaders, you know, they all talk about diversity and inclusion and I know that they are passionate about it. This is the opportunity to talk to the future, the future diverse talent that are going to drive this industry forward. And, and you know, we, we have to, you know, this is a long journey and you and I have talked about it. It's a long journey and the, the, the industry has made some, some great steps and advances in the last five or six years, but we've got so much further to go. And technology is a wonderful thing because it forces you to, to, to make leaps and bounds, not just small steps. And I think this is an opportunity for the industry from a diversity perspective to actually take leaps and bounds and achieve in two or three years what would otherwise take 10 years. And that's because I think we can engage the decision makers and the influencers with the future of talent and with the people that work in their industries and work in their company, sorry, to actually listen to them. And maybe those engagements are not about them talking about their lives. Maybe it's a Q&A session where Barry says, I want to do an hour's Q&A session with MAPE alumni, and I want to hear what their concerns are. And I want to hear from them in, an, in a non-judgmental opportunity for me to understand what people that don't look like me and don't have the background that I have are going through. And I think that's what, I want to try and do. And when I talk to leaders, that's what I'm saying to them is take this as an opportunity for you to learn. Don't, don't take it as a teaching moment. Take it as a learning moment. Well, I just, I just texted Michael Roth for you. So we'll see what he says. I'll let awesome. you know. <laughs> no, but I think I'm, I'm already on Hyder to, to organize for that one. All too. right. I, I, and you're, and you're absolutely right. Um, like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, and along with this, the, the, the barriers to do these sorts of things have come down. You can take an hour, 30 minutes, where we see it happening. Our, our leaders are becoming, the good ones, are becoming a little more human, breaking down those walls, visiting the offices virtually now all the time yeah. instead of having to, oh, when can I go, book a flight, client meetings, this, that, whatever. No, it's like I can actually just zoom in, as they said. Did they say that? I don't think they say that. Do they? Zoom in. They're saying it now. I'm going to take yeah. it back. I don't like it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely I like I like the call out to leaders. I noticed you only mentioned IPG leaders, but that's fine. Um, well, I won't, I won't take it, I won't take it personally. But we will. I, I mean, I think yeah, I think I think it's on all of us to just pressure our leaders to show up more. Show up more in this time. Well said. 
hold on, I'll, I'll push in there. Steve King at Publicis, Kathy Ring at Starcom, <laughs> Chris Booth at, at Spark Boundary, um, you know. Okay, Simon, just just send, send it. We'll publish a list out on like Mapes Instagram or something of all the leaders you want to do something. And I mean, sure it's, all of, it's all of them. It's all of them. It's all of them. It really is all of them. And, you know, and I think it's really important because, um, you know, one of the things that Mala asked me, she asked me a, a tough question when I was um, a, when I was in, in interviewing for this role. And she said, so, you know, I'm going to, the elephant in the room is you're a middle-aged white guy. And yes, I'm, I'm LGBTQ, but I'm a middle-aged white guy. Why would, why would we want you in this role when you're representing, you know, broader diversity? And my response to her was, because people don't know what they're getting because they see the white guy opening the door and I can open the door. And then I sit down and ask them, tough questions and I think that it's time for the industry to to realize that the tough questions need to be listened to and we need to start hearing more what the industry has to say and what the diverse populations have to say so if I can be a conduit to opening those doors for those conversations to happen then I can retire a happy man hopefully not too soon and speaking of what these diverse populations have to say Rima you said you've been having a lot of conversations with alumni with the fellows and I want to get into the weeds a little bit of this year's program, 2020 programming and kind of just give a preview of what what is being planned. What are the alumni, the fellows, what are they asking for? What do they need? Well, I'll, all right. I'll explain the program, uh, but you kind of answered that in like two words, which is show up. The alumni, our members are always looking to see who's going to show up, who's going to show them, you know, who cares about DNI and who cares about them. And it isn't just about, like you said, running around and putting an event together. It's about who goes there and who shows up and who's willing to take the time to speak. What I'm really proud of is that we created this program, this virtual engagement program that does engage the fellows and the alumni this summer and allows them to see who's showing up. What agency showed up and actually in this time took a look at DNI and said it's still important and that we still want to be a part of it. And that's not to say that some agencies that can't participate don't care about DNI, but it is all about showing up. And so we are creating this 12 week virtual engagement program and they're in different phases and just different types of development. And there's going to be opportunities for virtual MAPE labs and um, virtual alumni events uh, throughout the summer. There's going to be project-based work so that our fellows can connect and our alumni get to volunteer and support different teams in being able to work through those projects and guide them. And then agencies and partners get to co-create the content with us. So whether it's a discipline training or development training, um, all of our fellows and alumni get to participate in that because that is something they ask for all the time. They want to be developed, not just on their craft. Um, I'd say for the fellows, they need to learn more about their craft, but this industry isn't just about you knowing your craft. If you want to move up, you also have to learn how to manage teams and how to communicate with others and how to manage up and how to be able to lead. And that stuff doesn't really get focused on. And so we're bridging that gap and we're, we're hearing the needs. We're building community. We're having some fun. It's a whole 12-week process for it, including a virtual career fair and a virtual MAPE greenhouse and, and a MAPECon, which is going to be a development summit. So what I'm excited about is that the alumni and the fellows get to see who shows up, who cares, um, who's really supporting them in their efforts into the industry and, and beyond, and really build a program together that works. And so it's going to be 12 weeks of that. That was very helpful. What's great about what the type of programming that you've created is it does allow agencies to show up in different ways, in more ways, 
than the MAPE that everybody is used to. I think what's great about this is it opens it up to say, you know, I'm even thinking about kind of how we're looking at it at RGA, right? Before COVID, we were like, we're going to have one standalone lab in each city that we have an office. Now it's like, ooh, we can do so much more because we can combine offices into a couple MAPE labs and make it really, really special versus like you and your little silo in each in each office. That's that's what we need to do, especially yeah. in this time when, you know, most a lot of agencies aren't hiring. I think the agencies that are going to really stand out are the ones that support this community, show up, give and get from the community. And, you know, after that, people are going to remember who were, who was there. Yeah, the Maple alum, exactly. the fellows will remember the agencies, the individuals that did show up during a time when it's so easy not to. Really great point because, you know, when we first presented this to the agencies, right, when we were thinking about how do we build this, we we're like, how do we create opportunities for the fellows to learn, to be connected, to build their network, and how can agencies be able to showcase who they are? And I think at first it was looked at like, oh, this is a lot of work for the agencies, but actually what it is, it's a lot of opportunity. And so if you're an agency and you're like, I'm a media agency and I want to not just hire one or two MAPERS uh, because that's what we can do into our internship, we can actually host a whole discipline training to 62 fellows and really be able to connect with them. And now we have 62 new young people, um, diverse people that we can be connected to, even if we can't hire right now, but you know, recruiting is a long game. And so if you're, you're not just thinking about right now, but you're thinking about building these relationships, you might end up hiring that person in five years. So now you get to be really connected to the fellows in a different way. And you get to showcase um, really amazing people that work at your company by teaching these fellows something. So now you're giving back to the foundation, you're volunteering your, your time, but you're also showcasing your, your, the talent you already have and building deeper relationships. And like you said, now you can host the lab for 386 fellows and not just maybe 20 and in one region or 150 in New York, now you get to build 386 connections and show those fellows who you are and what you do and how invested you are. It's really about opportunity for the agencies to really be able to say like, you know, we have, we, we have somebody who's really great in strategy that wants to do this type of discipline training and now connect with 79 fellows specifically on that. Or we wanna be able to host something where we can talk to, um, Carl, you always talk about wanting to do something with the men of mates you know, men of color in the industry are kind of forgotten about sometimes. And so, or a lot of times, so why can't we talk about them and focus on what goes on with them and mental health for them and, and how they can be supported. There's so many different opportunities to connect with the fellows in different ways now that it's not hard to show up. You just have to want to. Oh, I like that. It's not hard to show up. You just have to want to. I want to let that mm-hmm. sink in. Just have to I want to. I got a couple to. gems. Got a couple. Why are you holding back? That That's was... why she's paid the bucks. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Just got to want to. I mean, I think that's that goes for agencies. It goes for individuals. It goes for alumni. Alumni always want to. It's not, but that's that's a, that's a great point. It's not hard, especially these days. You just got to want to. And I kind of don't yeah. even know where to go from there. Damn, Rima, just dropping dropping Sorry. the mic and. Walking out. And now we're out. No, we're not actually done. Um, <laughs> no, okay. I'm just yeah. <laughs> it's all this is great. And with the, I'm curious, with the 386 fellows that are taking part in the virtual engagement program, 
all that you know, all the agencies you talk to, all the alumni, I would want not want to leave this conversation without getting some advice from you to these fellows who are not only entering uh, and taking part in a different MAPE, but entering, good number of them are entering the workforce at a time when things are very different than they've been. What do you have to say to them? I mean, besides good luck. I would say a couple things. Get to know everybody this summer that we connect you with. Build your network, make relationships, and think about your career roadmap differently. Throw out what it was, start looking at things in a different way, right? So maybe before you had your heart set on on just working in New York, right now, you're going to be connected to so many agencies all over the country and be able to see just what amazing work they do. And so start broadening what you your expectations and what you want and start thinking about life a little differently and give yourself some grace and give yourself some time. There's this thought that every fellow is going to go to a career fair and get an, a job offer on the spot. And while that does happen in life, that probably won't happen as much this year. It doesn't mean anything if you don't. It means that you keep going, you keep pushing and create different expectations and continue to build the relationships you're in. Just network the hell out of the summer. I mean, that's tough to follow. Somebody once said the best thing to do in, when times are tough is chart your own path and or chart your own course. And I would say to the mate fellows coming through this year, chart your own course. No one, there isn't a defined path to success or a defined path to your career. You know, you're entering the workforce in a time that hasn't been experienced in a hundred years. Um, so it's a once in a lifetime event. Um, and it's different to an economic downturn or a recession. Uh, you know, I started working in 1987, right when the 1987 crash hit. You know, it took me seven months to find a job. I, it was tough at the time, but I look back on that and say that actually helped me on the path to where I am today. And so rethink what path you're taking. Resilience builds strength. Draw on that. Um, know that you know, it is out of your control. You, you can't control what's going to happen in the next few months. But to Rima's point, take every opportunity, uh, network the heck out of those opportunities. Don't say no, say yes to everything. Speak up, make sure your voice is heard. Don't be afraid to ask the tough questions. Don't be afraid to want to learn more because this is a moment where you can really make a, an impression across a much bigger audience than you would have if it had been in person. And then I'd leave it with, I, I think Rima summed it up really well, like don't think that your only opportunities lie in one market. You know, I've spoken to so many agencies and, you know, our, our membership is made up of 700 plus agencies and the vast majority of those are independent smaller agencies in outside of New York and LA and those agencies are hungry for amazing diverse talent and they see this as a huge opportunity to tap into a talent pool that they otherwise wouldn't have access to so broaden your horizons but take every opportunity and you know be the master of your own destiny because no one's going to write it for you Great, great things. There's no blueprint for this. No one's done this, but there are some key things you could do to help shape your path. So that's definitely some great advice. You're going to add something. What maybe? about you, Carl? Yeah. What about you, Carl? What about me? What's your um, advice? I would just say do whatever Simon Riemann just said. 
So that's, uh, come on, that's, that's, my that's advice. the easy way out. Come on. <laughs> I know. I, Your advice is what they really want to hear. What would you advise them? Well, I'm just going to have to yeah. do some sessions, some virtual sessions with all of them over the summer for you to hear yeah. my advice. Can I come to those? Because I want to hear your advice too. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you help run the program, you can show up. Can't awesome. Can't keep you out. This everything you all said is spot on. This is a time that no one's been through before, and a time for really understand what you want to do. You have so many opportunities to go out there and start that path. It doesn't mean you're going to get a job immediately after mate or during, but you have a great way to start crafting that path by what you want to do because you will have the opportunity to learn and hear and talk to so many people doing so many different things. I mean, all that should do is inform what you want to do. The tricky thing about a program like MAPE, and I've always said like MAPE, MAPE's intention is to drive it, talent into the industry from an agency perspective. From a fellow perspective, you're sometimes just testing the water to see if this is what you want to do. As you mentioned before, some folks don't go into advertising, and that's okay. But MAPE still gave them skills, the network, connections, the community that they still tap into. So it really is, mm -hmm. the now is the time to think about as you're meeting so many people from so many different agencies, from different markets, right? And who knows if even the whole, like, market thing will be anything. Like, you could, as we know, you can work anywhere at this point, and who knows, hopefully that's something that will keep with, uh, with companies as we, we come out of this eventually. And it's going to be about what you want to do, right? You might find a great agency in Detroit, but you're able to work from Atlanta. And that's possible now, and it wasn't before. So again, I, like you said, throw out what you thought that roadmap should be, what they told you in school, what you learned from your parents and other people, and figure out what you and how you want to do it. And now's the time to go out there and craft that. Yeah, and that was the preview to my we, workshop, we, crafting your destiny, coming to MAPE soon. I love it. <laughs> but also, you know, I, I would also just say, you know, don't listen to all the shit that people will tell you, right? Because if you listen to what everybody else is trying to tell you about what to do in your career, you're never going to succeed. Do what is authentic to you, and do what makes you happy. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have those two things, a place where you can be authentic and a place where you're happy, whatever that's doing, you're never going to be successful. And I think Elaine really pushed that point a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it really hit home to me is like, I the thing that I think is the greatest asset about being a maper is community. And it's about the fact that you have a lifelong community of people that are authentic and will say what they feel. And you know, as a, as a young gay man growing up when I did, if I didn't have that when I entered the workforce. And so for many, many years, I had no community to talk to. And if I'd had like a mate type thing for my community, some of the things that I would have probably achieved sooner would have been amazing. And so hold on to that and, and use this community as the opportunity because they're going to be with you for the rest of your life. And that's a pretty amazing thing when you talk to people like Mark and, uh, you know, it's, it, Wait, which Mark? you know, these, yeah, they've known each other for, you know, 46 years. And you're going to know the people you go through this fellowship with, class with for the next 50, 60 years. Community is a big part. You, you almost made me step on my soapbox about advice 
and what what that actually is, but I'm not going to do it. Do it right now. Do it. Save that for now. Save no, it for do now. it. Go on. Come on. You can't Come on. tease us with something like that and then not follow through. Yeah. Come on, Coach Carl. We want to know. Come on. Come on. This peer pressure does not work on me, but actually, okay, it does. <laughs> Good. Ad, I mean, advice. Some people take advice as scripture, as some written stone that you have to follow. I remember being in a mentor, this is a workshop for another program, and someone said, I give all my mentees the same advice. This is how I did it. This is how you should do it. And I looked at him and I said, are your mentees carbon copies of you? So people often take advice as like, oh, they did it that way. That's the way that works. I got to do it. I got to do it that way. And that that nobody is the same person. So that never, ever works. Side note, if you're a mentor, if you're a MAPE coach, before you start giving advice, first off, think about reframing it as my experience. Second, get to know your coachee. Get to know the mate fellow you're working with before you dive in and say, this is how you should do your summer, plan your career. And I think for the folks getting the advice, the mapers, you know, the mate fellows, let's say, you should always ask, is this important to me? What about this is relevant to me? And if nothing is, thanks for sharing your story. Keep it pushing. But you can pull certain things. From that, like when people ask me, like, "Oh, help me with my resume," the first question I ask is, "Well, what's the purpose of this on your resume?" Not, "Oh, here's how you die on your resume. You have to put this, this, this." It's like, "Why is this on your resume? What's the purpose?" And if their answer is, "Well, someone told me to put it there," I give them a second. If someone tells you to put it there, your first question should be, "Well, why is it important to me?" And that's that's the thing about advice; it gets construed with direction. Something that's like like the only way to do things. And I think we just talked about like right now, all of that goes out the window because we have never been in a global pandemic as a as a human race like this. And everything goes out the window and you have to now chart your own path. And that means learning from some things, learning from people, some things from people that worked for them, figuring out what works for you. So when mm. when Rima says, you know, network, you have to network like you network. Not like Rima or Simon or Carl. And now there's so many different ways to network that you have so many options, so many opportunities. So that's a preview of my second workshop with Mabe. Yeah, we're coming this summer. Do you um do you snap on podcasts? How do you how do you say like how do you get do we do the oh. fake clap? Do you have sound effects? That I, was awesome. I, I do have sound effects. I don't know which one is the clapping one, so I might hit the wrong mm. one. Oh, that's the right one. Look at that. Um, that was great yeah so again a little preview apparently I have two workshops coming this summer uh, brought to you by me thank you well, brought to you by me two I previewed today okay. There's, I don't mean Simon <laughs> how many How many do you want me to do I only got so much time but I do care so I'm going to show up we got, you're going to show up to Carl's talk series oh, I have a whole talk series oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you, that you heard uh, it here first Oh my goodness. Yeah. I got to stop doing these podcasts. I get roped into things. I don't even know what's happening. Well, we appreciate it. And I appreciate the work that you all are doing. Just keeping, keeping the industry moving forward despite some challenges. And I know it's not easy. I've, I was about to say I've been there. I haven't been there. I've been in some of your shoes, but this is again, brand new. So I can't even imagine what it took to make this all happen. This, uh, this huge shift 
in a very well-established program. So thank you all, the team at both the 4As and the 4As Foundation, because they're different. They're separate. They have different mm-hmm. missions. They're different. Non, they're, one's a nonprofit, one's a not-for-profit. Yeah, got it. See, I was listening. I wrote it down. Good job. Taking notes. Different. So thank you. Thank all sides of it. Thank you for uh, keeping this very, very important mission going through these uncertain times. Thank you for spending time with all of us today, sharing your wisdom, talking about what's going on, uh, getting in a little bit of trouble, calling out folks. We're going to show up. Got to show up. If you care, you're going to show up. So thank you both again. I know I'm sure we'll be hearing from you over the course of this podcast on and off. Thank, well, thank you. And can I just take one minute to thank Rima and Jacqueline and Alexis and um, Jovan and Amber, who, you know, really have done all the work to create the virtual program this year. I just get the, I get the ability to say that I have these amazing people working with me. Um, and without them, the program wouldn't be possible. And without them, the alumni wouldn't have the opportunities that they have. So I really want to thank all of them because they all need a holiday. They all need time off. Um, but we're really excited for the, for the summer. And, you know, it's partners like you, Carl, that really make it possible. So I'm just going to say, you know, I'm simply a custodian. And if I can leave it a little bit better than, I, than when I arrived, then I'll be happy. So thank you and thank you everybody for participating and being part of, you know, this this great legacy. The legacy it is. Thank you both. That's our episode.